Hey, welcome to the Christmas edition of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm a pretty common guy with an uncommon need for Scripture, or at least at times it feels uncommon. I think in some ways it's common. We all have a need for Scripture, but this uncommon need is developed into a love for Scripture that doesn't need to be uncommon. In other words, you can develop that same love. I'm I'm convinced of it because the Spirit loves you and loves the Word of God like crazy. And I guess in some ways that's really the heart of this podcast. It's an attempt to let the Word of God more fully saturate my soul by the work of the Spirit so that I can get to know Jesus better. If it helps you do the same, and it's a double win. So this is episode number 214 of More Than Bread and day 11 of our Christmas pause. We're pausing from the series we were doing on Paul's letters from prison. We were right in the middle of Philippians, which has some pretty good Christmas episodes in it as well. And we'll head back there sometime after Christmas. But for at least another, I don't know, seven to ten episodes, we're doing this Christmas pause. We we spent a few episodes looking at Old Testament Christmas passages And then we hung out in Matthew a bit, and now we're in the Gospel of Luke. We'll we'll probably give the Apostle John a closing word or two as well. And I hope it's a a meaningful part of your Christmas season. Or for some of you, depending on when you hit this, perhaps even a meaningful part of your summer. So anyway, in the last episode, we paused in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And we're actually going to go back there, because to some extent, I just want to give one word a little little more focus, and that's the word favor. Favor, F-A-V-O-R. So so I'm reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, my words, they, they kept really good track of that back in those days, much better track than we do. So, so they knew, regardless of what his state and his stage of life was, they knew that he was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. What, a, what an awesome sentence. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm, I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son as now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And before we move on, I got to say, I I love the older King James version of that last, those last words where Mary says, let your word come true. Um, Let your word come true to me. Let, Let your word, let everything that your word has said come true in my life. I've shared this illustration before, but it works well here too. In in 1918, 105 years ago, the eyes of America were on Europe as America was entering World War One. That's all we thought about until the Spanish flu pandemic hit. 
world-changing events. And while those world-shaping events were taking place, babies were being born. During that year of seeming hopelessness, Nelson Mandela was born in South Africa. Ella Fitzgerald, the first lady of jazz, was born in Newport News, Virginia. Frederick Sanger, whose research on DNA sequencing led to the Human Genome Project, was born in England. And Billy Graham, one of my faith heroes, was born in Charlotte. With all the great global events, who in the world thought about babies? And yet ultimately, which of the great events of 1918 ended up bringing more hope than the babies of 1918? See, we we need to understand that hope arises from small beginnings. When when the gospel needs to go out, when a country needs to be liberated, a song needs needs to be sung, a book written, or a, a medical breakthrough needs to occur, God sends a baby. Is it any wonder that when the world needs to be saved, God comes as a baby? And through this baby, God poured his favor, his favor out upon the world. Now, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Favor. Hey, would you do me a favor? (laughs) When we ask someone to do us a favor, we're saying, you don't owe me. I don't necessarily deserve this. It's not payment of any kind, but I'm wondering if you would do it anyway. You know, our, our prayers often have some version of, God, I need a favor. The dictionary defines favor as kindness beyond what is due or usual. And perhaps the best two-word description of Christmas is God's favor. The birth of Jesus is the favor of God. Christmas favor began with a baby reveal that outglories anything ever found on social media. I love the words of the angel to Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. You know, Mary was not some super saint in the waiting. She wasn't full of grace. She needed grace. She wasn't full of hope. She needed hope. She wasn't full of light. She lived in a dark time and she needed light. She didn't earn this gig as the one who would give birth to the hope of the world. She found favor with God. Can I just take a moment and paint a little bit deeper picture of God's favor? First of all, his favor is not prosperity. His favor is not prosperity. Too many Christians have been infected with a health and wealth gospel that that shapes the good news as a life without the hard. But Mary was highly favored and desperately poor. She was highly favored and one day would be a refugee. She was highly favored and she watched her son die a horrific death on a cross. In fact, I won't hesitate to say that so very often God's favor is given for and found in the mess of life. In fact, Paul said in Romans 5 that we actually glory in our sufferings. That sounds weird. (laughs) We actually glory in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. In other words, we won't gain hope without going through times where we desperately need hope. So then what is favor? Well, here's one way I imagine the favor of God. Favor is God's applause. Favor is the applause of heaven. It's this overflow of joy, overspilling joy and abounding hope. It's the applause of God. It's it's more than that, I know, but it's not less than that. The undeserved applause of heaven. God's seeing us, God cheering us on, hands of grace. Some years ago, a remarkable high school football game took place in Grapevine, Texas. On the surface, it looked like any other Friday night football game. Grapevine Faith, a private Christian school, defeated Gainesville State School 33-14. to That was not the remarkable part. Gainesville State School 
isn't an ordinary school. It's a maximum security correctional facility for teens. And every game they play is an away game. There's no fans. There's no cheerleaders. They ride a prison bus to the field. They play the game and they ride back to prison. And they weren't very good. But that night, they received favor. Chris Hogan, the coach of Grapevine Faith, realizing how difficult it must be for the players to play every game on the road with no support, sent out an email to his players, their families, and the whole school. He asked everyone, he asked everyone to sit on the visitor's sideline at the game. He asked the parents to cheer for someone else's kids and the cheerleaders to cheer for the other team. The parents even formed a spirit line for the young men from Gainesville State School. I mean, before the game began, the young men from the state correctional facility ran in disbelief through a 40-yard sprint line and for the first time ever broke through a banner that read, Go Tornadoes. Rick Riley, writing for the Sports Illustrated, reported after the game, both teams gathered in the middle of the field to pray and And that's when Isaiah, the quarterback for the prison team, surprised everyone by asking if he could pray. We had no idea what the kid was going to say, remembers Coach Hogan, but Isaiah prayed. He said, Lord, I don't know how this happened, so I don't know how to say thank you. But I never would have known there were so many people in the world that cared about us. See, until that night, every game they played was a reminder of who they were and what they had done, a reminder that they had no fans, no family. Each game was a reminder that they had messed up. Not that night, though. That night, they heard the possibility of a new story. Small seeds of hope were planted with every cheer. You know, I think I've I've often imagined, maybe you too, I've often imagined that Christmas characters as the spirit line for Jesus— Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the host of angels, all cheerleaders for Christ that first Christmas. But you realize it's the opposite, right? You and I, we're the ones without a family. No one in our corner, no one to cheer us on. Every day a reminder that we're a disappointment. Every day a reminder of debts we can't pay and hurts we can't heal. But but Christmas is the spirit line of heaven. It's Jesus leading the cheers because God is writing a new chapter. Undeserved favor from a God who's Thunderous applause fills the stadium of our life, not because we deserve it. It's undue kindness. Man, I tell you, it's hard for me to imagine anything in life that we need more right now than the favor of God. We're lost without it. Some of you thinking that I guess we're lost because I'm not Mary. (laughs) I'm not the mother of God. The angel said to Mary, greetings, O favored one, for the Lord is with you. He's getting ready to pour out blessings upon you and through you to the world. You know, I read those words from an angel's lip to Mary's heart, and I think, wow, Mary must have been amazing. I wonder what God saw in Mary that pleased him so much that he chose her. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know what God saw in Mary when he invited her to be a part of his story, but I do know what he sees in you. I shared this in the last episode. It's so interesting. I, I just want us to grab this. I want us to, to go into the last week before Christmas with this thought in our mind. It's interesting. The word used to describe Mary as favored is used in only one other place in the New Testament. It's in Ephesians 1.6 where Paul writes, So we praise God for the wonderful kindness. That's the word. That's the Greek word for favor. <laughs> Same word. So we praise God for the favor, the wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because because we belong to his dearly loved son. 
In other words, if you are a follower of Christ, that's who God sees when he looks at you. He sees his son or his daughter. You're favored by God if you belong to Jesus. Favor is the applause of God poured out upon us because when he looks at us, man, he just sees Jesus. The favor of God will describe the life of Jesus at many points. When the angels sang to the shepherds, they declared that peace on earth had come to those on whom God's favor rests. Later, we're told that Jesus grew in favor with people and God. And 30 years after that first Christmas in Luke chapter 4, Jesus himself will announce the time of God's favor has come. Luke tells us in Luke 4 that one day as a young man, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He was in Nazareth where he grew up in the synagogue, gathered with others, and, and he stood up to read from the book of Isaiah. The scroll opened to Isaiah 61, and Jesus read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said to those gathered today, the scripture is fulfilled. The year of the Lord's favor initiated by Christ, favor for those who are poor and and those in bondage, those who can't see what they can't see, the oppressed in need of freedom, the, the lost in need of hope. Do you understand? Don't miss this. Fulfilled in Christ, Jesus is the favor of God poured out for us. So listen, don't settle for a lesser favor. Don't settle for a lesser hope. Don't settle for the favor of stuff or power or politics or getting even. Don't, don't settle for the favor of great family moments or promotions or degrees. Don't, don't settle for anything less than the favor of Christ. There's nothing we need more today. Without Christ's favor, we are without hope. Rafiq was a spirited 35-year-old Muslim whose dark eyes danced as he described what led to his first encounter with Jesus. In 2001, 22 years ago, he was working in Paris as a museum, as a musician, excuse me. He's born in North Africa. He grew up in France, Muslim in name, but a, a practical atheist. He had a wife in North Africa, sent her money when he could, visited once in a while, but music, music, music was his life. He, he loved writing song, and after several of his songs were published, an entertainment company encouraged him to do more. Write a musical, they suggested. David Garrison shares his story in the book, A Wind in the House of Islam. Rafiq remembers, I left their office and as I was walking down the street, rain began to pour, so I stepped into a doorway and lit a cigarette. After a moment, I turned around and saw that I was in the entryway to a Catholic church, so I stepped inside. First time I'd ever entered a church. Near the front were candles you could buy and light as a prayer. I joked to the priest, can you loan me some money to buy a prayer? (laughs) He smiled and handed me a candle. It's free, he said. I looked up at the large statue of Jesus crucified, suspended from the ceiling, and on the wall beside it, I saw another image of Jesus, this one with him holding a lamb, and under it were the words, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I just began to think, what kind of person was this who would lay down his life for others? And then he thought that would make, this would make a great subject for a musical. So, so he asked the priest for the scriptures that told the story of Jesus. He was offered a large Bible saying, no, no, I just want the part about Jesus. So the priest gave him the four gospels and, and he took them home and he read them over and over and over again. He said, I, I began to have dreams filled with Jesus and music. The music and the scene just kind of began to pour out of my imagination. And one month I wrote the entire life of Jesus, a two and a half hour musical from Gabriel's announcement to Mary to the resurrection 
resurrection of Christ. And then Rafiq said this, the more I gave myself to this life of Jesus, the more he changed me. My friends warned me, be careful. They said, don't lose yourself in this person of Jesus. I told them it's too late. He's already got me. He took the musical back to the company. They listened for two and a half hours as he played the musical for them. After he finished, they said, well, Jesus is marketable. Let's, let's do this. Later that year, the company hit hard times and stopped production. And Rafiq shook his head, but it no longer mattered. Jesus had become my life. I no longer wanted to spend time in the bars or partying. Instead, I, I wanted to go home to tell Nora about the one who'd come into my life. When I got home, I recruited her to make storyboards of the life of Jesus for the musical. And, and while creating those storyboards, Nora was touched by the beauty of Jesus. At that point, Nora interrupted him and said, but you know what? It was, it was after Jesus answered my prayers, prayers for Rafiq's sister to be healed that I knew he was real. Trembling with tears in her eyes, Nora said, God revealed himself. Wiping away her tears, wrapping his arm around his lovely expectant wife, touching the cheek of his lively three-year-old Rafiq said, and, and now we're serving Jesus here in North Africa. Do you understand? They found the favor of God. Listen to me, don't settle for lesser favor. Jesus is our hope, our treasure beyond compare. If you have him, the best is yet to come. If you're a Christ follower today, you live under the favor of God. You're loved, you're blessed, you're surrounded by the kindness of God that is beyond what is due and usual. And if you have not surrendered your life to Christ the King, with certainty I can tell you hope is just a turn of the page away. The thrill of hope for a weary world in need of joy is just around the corner. Perhaps right now, Perhaps right now, as you're listening to me, is the moment when you would tell him, Jesus, all I have is yours. It all belongs to you, my heart, my life, my time, all the good and all the hard. I give it to you. I believe that you are the Son of God, come to birth hope in our weary world. Would you come into my life? Jesus, would you come into my life? Forgive me for running from you, for pursuing hope apart from you. I, I come to you with open arms. You are my King. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Jesus, Jesus, Spirit of God, with everything that's in me, I'm just asking, would you bring this particular episode to somebody who needs to hear? who needs to hear about the favor of God, somebody who's walking through a hard time, who, who thinks that they've been abandoned by God. They're, they're not seen, they're ignored, they're forsaken. What would you bring? Would you bring this to them? And as they listen, as they listen, would they, would they hear the whisper of the Spirit saying, come follow Jesus. There's favor. Jesus has brought favor to the world. It's, it's not about getting rid of all the heart, all the pain, all the suffering. That, that's not going to end until we, we meet him face to face on the other side of Christmas. But there is a hope, there is a joy, there is a favor that is found that can come to each and every one of us. God, would you pour out your favor on each and every person listening in such a way that they know that they know that they know it's you. God, I ask this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.